Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Praise God. The Lord is so good. So make sure, I think my wife reiterated this and you heard it. This is the third time, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Single parents, come next Saturday, free breakfast. If anything, come for the food, then you'll end up feasting on what God has for you. Amen. It's just going to be a wonderful time. How, do you know, how many know Pastor Tony? He's an incredible leader, and him and his wife and our team, they just want to serve and minister and, and love on people. So if you know anyone uh, that would just love that time, a nice free breakfast, child care, um, just invite them or bring them. Amen? Amen. All right. Glory to God. Um, and remember, you can register. Just go to revival.me. You can sign up. And uh, I'm excited to preach to you today. Um, and uh, my heart is stirred up. And I'm going to try to do this quickly. I have a, a video I want to play for you um, at the end of the message, just to close the message out. And I believe it will inspire you and bless you. And the video is just a, a little recap of a mission trip that we did. Um, we, uh, as in Encounter Church Las Vegas, a couple of years ago, and we took a team of about 13 people to the Philippines, and seven of those 13 people uh, was my wife and I and all of our kids, including our, our smallest, and we had an incredible time. We ministered in uh, Tondo, which is like one of the most impoverished areas of Manila, and uh, 15 years prior to, uh, or about 13 years prior to, I got to go there, and I, we ministered and partners with this church that started right in the heart of it all. And it was a church of about maybe 150, 200 people. Uh, and then when we went back just two years ago, it has grown to over 2,000. And they meet in a mall, a bunch of young people, uh, campus ministries, incredible discipleship going on. And so we got to be a part of what the Lord is doing there. And then we went to an island and uh, we did some ministry on this island. We did a youth conference. We did, like, some crusades. It was incredible. And uh, powerful time. People got saved, healed, delivered. We got to impart and, uh, and, and just connect with some amazing people. I love the people of the Philippines. And um, we're going to close the message with just a short little video of recapping some of that, just a little bit of the testimonies and stuff like that. So I, I think you'll be blessed. Can you say Amen. So I want to preach out of Acts chapter 16. How many have been enjoying the stuff that we've been kind of diving into the last couple of weeks? Talking about the taboo subject, spiritual warfare, you know. It's either, you know, really enemy conscious or uh, we act like there is no devil. But how many know that we are the victorious bride of Christ and we are called to evict the enemy out of territory that doesn't belong to him? But the Bible does say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that there's some, we need to stand uh, against uh, and, and stand in the power of his might, right, and put on the armor of God. The Bible says that our weapons uh, of our spiritual warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So there are things that we will stand against as believers, um, and there, there are areas that we need to shine in. There are areas of society, amen, business, politics, media, entertainment, that we should be shining in, taking territory, possessing the land for Jesus and advancing the kingdom. 
But I want to talk about another territory that sometimes we neglect, uh, that we don't evict the enemy out of. And it's probably, it is the, the most important of them all. And, uh, and so I want to share that with you. And I'm going to talk about the gospel. And, uh, and my prayer is, is that not only that as we dive into the text that you're inspired by his word, but that you would, your heart would be branded with a fresh fire for evangelism. Come on. How many know that we are all called to be a minister and a witness? This is what Paul heard from the Lord when he recounts his conversion in Acts chapter 26. Think of verse 16. Jesus appeared and he said, I've appeared to you for this reason, to make you a minister and a witness of the things you've seen and the things I will yet reveal to you. And every single one of you are called to be a minister and a witness. We are called to testify. We carry the power of the Holy Spirit with us and we're, we are we're called to tell our story about the story, the gospel, the good news. And I want to talk to you about the gospel because I think sometimes we think the gospel is just repeating a few lines and we just, well, Jesus died for your sins. Well, yeah, that's the climax of the story, but it's the whole life of Jesus. It's the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and session that he sat down at the right hand of God. But the gospel is the entire life of Jesus that the Son of God became incarnate. The Word became flesh, John 1, 14. I'm going to be covering a lot, and sometimes when I teach, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Just open wide and drink. Amen. Um, but I, I, I want to talk about the gospel because sometimes we've limited it. You know, we've defined the gospel in different ways, and, you know, like it is absolutely the, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, but it's the whole story of his life from the virgin womb to the empty tomb. It's, it's the fact that God became flesh. That's a part of our salvation. As historical orthodoxy teaches us, in the Christian church for 2,000 years that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And his divine nature, Jesus was, in fact, had two natures in one person, fully divine. It's called the hypostatic union. You just learned some really cool theology. Say hypostatic union. Look it up later. It's something that's important because we understand that when he became human, his divine nature healed our fallen human nature. He took on our fallenness without sin, right? And then he took on our sin on the cross. Then he conquered death. He defeated the devil. Come on. And he rose on the third day. And it didn't end there. He actually ascended into heaven, exalted with the name above every name, seated at the right hand of God. And the Bible says every knee, one day, in the end, how many know the end? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. What, what is the confession? That Jesus is Lord. So the gospel comes from the word euangelion, like evangelism, evangel. And the word actually means somebody who is sent to proclaim good news about the reign of a king. In other words, the gospel isn't just the climax of the story, it's the person in the story. The gospel is the revelation of the character and nature of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And it's also the revelation of what he accomplished for us. But it is the reality that he is Lord. That's the gospel. The gospel is Jesus is Lord. Isn't that good? The gospel isn't just he died for you. Yeah, it is that. But it's he's Lord and King. And he's reigning. And he wants you to yield your heart to him. 
That's the gospel. So we respond to the gospel. We repent. We turn. The word repentance is metanoia. It doesn't just mean a 180 degree turn. It means change the way you think. It's a radical reorientation. This is why, let me touch on this real quick. In Romans chapter 9, how many remember Romans Road, leading people to Jesus? Come on. Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord or Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Come on. How many know it says, you will be saved? Then verse 14 says, whoever calls, whoever, whosoever will, call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. What does it mean, Jesus is Lord? Are you just saying, oh, Lord Jesus? No, it was, in, if you read the Bible, the way that the Bible should be read is we have to put ourselves in the context of that time. So how did the reader understand that? And what did the writer mean? That's hermeneutics 101, how we interpret the Bible. Can I teach you this morning? So when, when Paul's writing this, he's writing to Greeks and he's writing to Jews, but they understood what he meant. What he meant was pleading allegiance to Jesus as king. Now in the first century, it was not uncommon for people to be required or possible death or punishment. They were required to say Caesar is Lord. So when Paul is saying if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, he's not just saying you just say it. It's not just repeating a few lines. It is a reorientation of your heart that you are pleading allegiance to the king. You are, in fact, repenting and turning your heart to him. That's the gospel. Isn't that powerful? It's much more than what we've made it in American evangelicalism. I believe in the sinner's prayer. I believe in making a decision for Christ. But the gospel is the reality of who God is. The revelation of who God is, that he is Lord and King over everything. And today I want to talk to you about the gospel and preaching the gospel. Tell you just a little short story of some of our journey in Las Vegas when we planted the church. And how many know sometimes, I'm going to be uh, talking about some context in Acts chapter 16. But how many know sometimes in life, God speaks to you, you receive a calling, a vision, you, whatever it is, it's like, and then you start running the race and then everything, the opposite happens. You're not alone. And I want to talk to you about that because there's a powerful biblical story here where Paul is preaching the gospel. How many know Paul was a radical conversion? He was the, the one who was in charge of the first martyr. And he's on his way um, to, uh, what, what is the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. Thank you, biblical scholars in the room. And he's on his way to Damascus, and the Lord interrupts his journey. How many had a journey interrupted by Jesus? And uh, the Bible says he fell to the ground. Some people think he fell off a horse. The Bible actually doesn't say that. Uh, but we all could use a little falling off our high horse. Come on, somebody. And he encountered Jesus radically. And now he's preaching the gospel. He's going. He's sent by God. He's doing his thing. And in Acts chapter 16, there's this portion where he's going to a certain region. And it says the spirit of Jesus forbid him to go preach the gospel in that region. And then he goes to sleep. How many know when the Lord speaks to us, we should sleep on it and marinate on it and hear his voice? Don't ever strive to hear the voice of God because God speaks through peace. The Bible says pursue peace. If you don't have peace about something, it's probably not God. God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. 
And so he goes to sleep, has a vision. How many have ever had dreams? That's why I'm here, actually. I had a dream in October of 2019 about pastoring a church in another place. And wild story, I'll tell you another time. So he has a dream that a guy is waving and he's saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So after he had the vision, um, he felt like it was God. He concluded that God had called them because the spirit of Jesus said, don't go here. But then they felt God is calling them to go to Macedonia. So Paul's probably thinking, just like you and I might, we have a vision about some guy like, oh, I got to go, pre- I go to Macedonia. I got to preach the gospel to this guy, right? So then he goes, and there's all these things that start happening. And I want to talk about one of them in particular, but let's go through it real quick here in Acts chapter 16. Uh, at first, they show up and they don't meet a guy. They meet a lady and she's a dealer. She's not a casino dealer. She's not a drug dealer. She's a dealer of purple garments. Ooh, glory. And, uh, and she's a worshiper, and her name's Lydia, and she receives the gospel. So Paul has a vision about a guy that meets a lady. Well, it's not going the way his vision was, but it's still going good. How many have ever got a vision from God and then things go differently, but things are still happening? Yes. Don't get discouraged. It might not turn out. You, it might not look exactly the way you thought it would, But it doesn't mean it's not God. Sometimes we live in disappointments because, and the Bible says this, that we prophesy in part. We see in part. Sometimes we think it's got to look exactly like this. And if it doesn't look exact, sometimes we worship the vision more than we do the vision giver. And Paul starts having some hurdles, if you will. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, someone got saved. Lydia, praise God. A dealer got saved. Come on, somebody. There were some dealers that got saved in our ministry in Vegas, but they weren't dealer of purple garments. They were dealers of purple kush. Okay, sorry. <laughs> don't ask me how I know what that was. I used to. Okay, anyways, I got I to pass. Come on, don't judge me. I've been set free by the power of the blood of the lamb. Come on. <laughs> I was not planning on saying that. So, so then, then they encounter something demonic. They're preaching, and this woman, the Bible says it's a woman possessed with the spirit of divination. The word divination could be defined as the imitation of the divine, the counterfeit, but this, the Greek word is python, which is interesting to me because a python will try to get close to its victim and then try to steal its ability to breathe. Now, I don't believe that there is a demon. I do believe sickness is demonic. It's a part of the reign of sin in the cosmos. But that makes me think of a particular virus that I would say is totally demonic. So Paul, here's what the Bible says. Paul was annoyed. Have you ever got annoyed in your life? Like three people said, yeah, y'all are lying. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's certain things that annoy me. I'm just, can I share them? It's kind of like a confession moment. So some things really annoy me. One thing is, is when I call and I need customer service and I'm calling for a service that I pay for and I get a robot and I have to push buttons and I don't want to push any buttons except zero over and over and over. And then I'm like representative, 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 representative. And I want to get to a human. Come on. Does that irritate anyone else? Some things just annoy us. Paul was annoyed at this woman 
I love it. It makes me feel like I have a reason to be. Now, the Greek word's a little different. We'll talk about it in a minute. But let me just vent to you. There's other things that annoy me. And by the way, now the robots are getting smarter. They'll hang up on you if you keep saying that. <laughs> representative, representative. And then it just drops. Like, seriously? You know what else annoys me when I'm getting gas? And I put my card in, and it's like, it asks you some information, zip code, right? That's normal stuff. And do you want a car wash? No. Do you want a receipt? No. Or whatever. And it's like 20 questions. Are you enjoying your life? No. Because of you. Has anyone else been annoyed by Like, I don't know. Sometimes maybe I'm in a hurry. I'm impatient. But I'm like, I just want some gas and I got to go. I don't want 20 questions. Stop asking me for all this. I don't even want to put in my zip code, bro. And then the zip code's wrong. And then it, see cashier. Really? That's the most annoying. And then the machine shuts down. And like, you have to wait 30 seconds. And you're like... All right, anyway, so Paul was annoyed, but the Greek word isn't that type of annoyed. It's more like he was disturbed by the Python spirit. So he's preaching the gospel. He meets Lydia, the dealer. She gets saved. Come on, somebody. Then he meets, uh, as he's preaching the gospel, he's ministering. He is proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And the woman was saying something that sounded true and right, but she wasn't of God. Isn't that interesting? Like she was saying, these are servants of the Most High God to proclaim to us the way of salvation. It reminds me of the story in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus is teaching in a synagogue and, a, and they, were all like, they were all like, dang, this man teaches with authority. There was a kingdom authority and a demon manifested in the synagogue. That's like a demon. People, some people think, well, there aren't demons in church. That's because no one's preaching with authority. I said it. So Jesus is preaching, and the demon begins to talk to Jesus. I know who you are. You're the son. I don't know if that's how he sounded. That's just how I imagined it. And Jesus, you know what Jesus says? Shut up. Oh, okay, he was nicer. Be quiet. Then he cast the devil out, and the, and the guy shook and shrieked. Deliverance. So this woman, possessed with the spirit of devil, she was saying, these are servants of the most, even like the demon said the right thing, but it wasn't of God. Isn't it interesting, though, sometimes we're preaching the gospel, and then we hear something that sounds like the gospel, but it's just not quite the gospel. There is a counterfeit idea that the church is made just to give people handouts. And I'm here to tell you, we're not just here to give people handouts. We're here to give people hand up. Come on. And there is, listen, this is, and I love social justice. I believe that we should set free those who are oppressed, but people don't realize the social gospel has been around for 100 years. Liberation theology has been around for about 50 years, and the progressive church, the Christian church, has replaced the good news that Jesus is Lord, demonstrating the spirit and the power of God, proclaiming who he is, signs, miracles, and wonders, people encountering God with, let me just feed you if you're hungry. No, I'll feed you if you're hungry, but I'm also going to, lead you to Jesus. I'm not here to just give you a handout. Come on. Social justice is a fruit of the gospel. It's not the gospel in and of itself. The church should be exemplifying what the kingdom of God looks like. And there should be no room for ethnic hatred. Come on, somebody. There should be no, no room for division and walls and all this stuff. We should be the healing balm to society and community in the earth. This is why Jesus rebukes the church of Laodicea. He says, you're not cold and you're not hot. You're lukewarm. In other words, he's not talking about your 
your little spiritual life, your individualist, narcissistic spiritual life. He's saying you're not refreshing or healing to the region because there was Heropolis and then there was Colossae. And there's cold water that came from Colossae and hot water, healing water. Come on, like a spa. Who loves a spa? Oh, glory to God. There's something about that healing water. And Jesus is saying you're no good for community and society. You're lukewarm. You're not doing what you were made to do. You are not healing the brokenhearted. Come on. You're you're looking just like the culture right now but there's another culture I want to manifest through you and it comes through a revelation of who Jesus is and the gospel is not just some political ideology doing social justice it's bringing the justice of heaven in the earth and yeah we should bring social justice but make sure we're preaching the gospel and our social justice is not a fruit of just trying to do the right thing but declaring that Jesus is Lord I didn't plan on preaching myself happy until the end, but I, sorry, I couldn't help myself. So Paul rebukes the demon leaves. Then what happens is the woman was possessed with the spirit of divination, which is a counterfeit imitation of the divine. Don't think everybody that says, thus says the Lord, is actually saying what the Lord is saying. I've heard some good words that were not God. Good is not always God. And she made some money, and they were mad. Because that demon that was helping her out with her fortune telling, they're like, what? So they made up something, the magistrates, they made up something about Paul and Silas. They put him in prison. They beat him, put him in prison. So Paul has a vision to preach the gospel. And then all this stuff, Lydia, oh, praise God, anoint this demon lady following me around. Come out. And then they get beat, and then they're in prison. It's not turning out the way they thought. They had a vision about a guy saying, come help us. And they haven't even seen the guy yet. Who's the guy? Where's the guy at? Now they're in a first century jail, which is not three square meals and playing some spades. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's a cave and it's dark. There's no lights. Yep, probably smells, all that stuff. And what do they do? They know what they need to do. Pray and worship. Because it doesn't matter. Come on, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. And when you set your heart on him in the midst of darkness, come on, that's what the church needs to do. No matter the obstacles, come on, it doesn't matter what demons we encounter. Yeah, the spirit of Python, it's COVID. We don't, but we have authority over that stuff. Come on, it's time the church rises up and says, come out in Jesus' name. And when we confront things and things don't look like the way we thought they were going to look, it doesn't mean it wasn't God. It means we need to keep moving forward. And they're in prison and they're worshiping. And it says the earth quake you can read it later i'm not even gonna i'm just telling you the story acts chapter 16 there was an earthquake and the prison cells opened up come on not just theirs but the others that were in prison because the bible says he is a releaser of those that are held captive that's the heart of god and so they're worshiping and having a good old time kind of like we are right now but just way better i'm sure we'll get there someday they beat him then the jailer gets saved. Then his whole household gets saved. Maybe he was the guy saying, come help me. I don't know. But I feel like the church in this day and in this time needs to rise up and be overcomers. And remember that we're called to reach the unreached and touch the untouched. Remember that there's territory that we're supposed to take. And it's not just being an influencer in Hollywood or media or business or politics. It's the territory of the human heart and the soul. That God has called us to preach the gospel. 
that Jesus would invade hearts with his love. He would heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives. My wife and I's journey as church planners didn't start the way we thought it would start. Matter of fact, we thought it was all going to be handed to us. Matter of fact, we had an opportunity. I, I was a worship leader. I didn't know I was going to be a worship leader, and God brought this gift out of me. And one time I'm leading worship for a small men's conference or a men's uh, like breakfast thing, and the speaker was Randall Cunningham, who is a former NFL quarterback for the Eagles. He's played for a few different NFL teams, and he's a believer. Uh, one of his inspirations was Reggie White, and, and so this dude was a believer, and, and, and he comes, he's the speaker. I lead worship comes up to me afterwards, and this door opened up. He says, uh, man, the anointing on your life is, is just so strong. He's like, I'm recording a gospel CD, and I want you to sing. I have a, a recording studio. He built this million-dollar studio, and, and he said, I want you to come sing. And I told my wife, I'm like, hey, you ever heard of Randall Cunningham? And she likes football. And so I'm like, I, this guy wants me to sing. So I ended up singing and traveling with this gospel group. One of the times we traveled, I was like one of the only white dudes up there. Come on, somebody. You know, because he saw who I was on the inside. All right. I know who I am. And, uh, and so, man, I remember we went down to Corpus Christi, and they promoted this event, and it was all about evangelism. And they had a picture of the flyer of this event, and it was the cover of Sports Illustrated, Randall Cunningham on his knees pointing to heaven, and it says, born again. It's a real cover of Sports Illustrated. And, and we go and we sing these gospel songs. I remember we were closing with this song, No Greater Love. Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. And then Randall gets up and he starts preaching the gospel. Hundreds of people came up, got born again. I had the honor of leading worship for his church. He planted a church and and then we had an opportunity, it wasn't the way we thought. And then God called us to an inner city part uh, of the Metro Vegas area to plant a church. And I'm like, this isn't really what I signed up for. I wasn't expecting this. And we started with nothing, literally, we had nothing. And God says, if you, wanna, if you want to love people, I can't entrust you with people unless you can be trusted with one person. Amen. So we went out and we just looked for one person to minister to. My wife and I would go out, and we would just literally, who's the one, God? Who's the one? And we'd go to a store, Starbucks, a broken you know, part of the city, and, and we would just love. And we would prophesy, and we'd release the love of God, and we'd proclaim the gospel. And God broke our hearts. He bent our hearts for broken people. And it, it was the birthplace of what he called us to do. But even years before that, we had an opportunity to plant a ch- or to pastor a church a church of 200 with $200,000 in the bank and land and all this stuff. And we're like, oh, what an op- opportunity. Yeah, come on. It was a good opportunity, but it wasn't a God opportunity. The Lord straight up said, nope. We're like, what? Just like Paul, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm running. Jesus is like, no, you're not going there. I need you somewhere else. And it didn't turn out exactly the way I planned. I didn't know I'd be in New York at this point. But I knew God had called me to preach the gospel. And there's something about reflecting on the reality that we as believers are called to love the broken and the lost. We are called to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And some of us might have lost our fervor for evangelism. And sometimes we don't know how to bring people into an encounter with God because we forgot the one we encountered. And we've got to return to our first love 
So that lukewarmness, the inability to be healing and salvation deliverance as a, as a people to society and community. God has called us to go. Are you willing? Because the harvest is ripe. And we've barely just begun. We've got an auditorium over here that we're going to finish that seats 800 people. And it's not just about packing a room. It's about salvation, healing, and deliverance. There are broken people in the city. I didn't know it, but my birthday is shared with Charles Finney. Charles Finney went from New York, Henderson, New York, to Rochester to pastor a church. I left Henderson, Nevada to come to Rochester to pastor a church because of a dream, because of a vision. And it doesn't matter what obstacles we face, whether it's a woman possessed with the spirit. I'm going to get annoyed and cast that thing out. Whether it's Lydia that we meet, what well, doesn't matter. We're going to keep moving forward and we're going to keep moving upward. Come on. We're going to look on the horizon. What's next, God? Because we can't forget the territory that you've called us to take. Sometimes we get so consumed in what the world does. Like, oh, we need to take another mountain. We need to, like, be influential in Hollywood. No, we need to reach souls. Come on. We need people to have encounters with God. We need to remember that that's what it's about, reaching the reach come on touch in the untouched we're called to preach the gospel there's good news on your lips if you don't say it they won't hear it come on and God wants to minister his love and life through you not just give people a handout but a hand up I want to close with this video and I pray that God brands your heart it's just a little bit of our story of the honor the privilege of the ministry that took place in the Philippines and uh, you bet we're going to go again in due time. We're going to bring a, a team with us. But this was incredible. I got to bring the whole family and our team. And we saw some amazing things happen. And I want it to ignite fire in you that you, you are called, just like myself, we're all called to be a minister and a witness. And some of you, I feel like as you watch this, some of you feel like your calling has kind of fizzled away. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. There's an anointing inside of you. There's a gift that you are to the body of Christ and the world around you. So watch this. Be inspired and be encouraged in Jesus' name. impactful times for me was those moments of like impartation and prayer because the people are so hungry. I think it was without a doubt a divine appointment for us. Uh, just the connection with the churches here, the family here. Uh, there's great plans I think that God has for us to cross-pollinate. I think it just exceeded my expectation this trip. Uh, for what I wanted it to do for our kids and our family. I felt the physical change, like a, a literal change in my heart. I, I called my wife and told her I want to sell like everything I don't use and start giving. 
I, what I thought was really cool was the, there was the youth, like super like young yeah. kids on the altar, 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds yeah. like on the altar, kneeling like down Josiah. and praying. Yeah, like Josiah's age, yeah. like crying and like worshiping, which I thought was really cool. And I was, when, especially when I'm able to pray over them, and I, that really stuck out to me. I think just experiencing the humility and just the way that they honor one another and even to a higher standard, they honored us. You know, falling in love with that, that way of life. Like that many people in such intense expression, such high energy towards God and for the Lord. Yeah, I just, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like that. For some reason, the culture of the Philippines really encourages like this all out praise and worship yes. for God and you know to raise their hallelujah because I feel like each people has their own high yes. praise. Yes. You know, I, I realized like you don't know really like what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just um, God like use you to release his um, heart. Saturday where we got to impart all these worship leaders and members of the worship community and worship team and there was a holy fire of worship and um, just a revival fire being imparted and, and the responses some people started screaming and they're, they're praying in tongues and everyone was doing what they're supposed to be doing in their workshops and me and Laris and Trent were <laughs> across the street playing video games <laughs> And so we drove, we went back across the street and uh, back to the church and we walked into the sanctuary and everyone's like on their faces. Like it went from us playing video games to immediately I could feel the Holy Spirit and I started like praying over people. And like I, like I felt it so much, I was like, oh my goodness. There was this moment, um, we were all kind of laying hands over people and my dad was praying and there was just this spirit of revival and like the people were crying out and all I could do was just cry. And I was, I was in awe in that moment. I was just like, wow, these people, all they want is Jesus. That's, that's all they want. I think that was one of the most impactful moments just as a whole for, for us and for the Philippines. Cause like Pastor Loy was saying, they got reports the next day. Pastor Loy had heard from multiple worship leaders and pastors that their Sunday service was significantly different and the manifest presence of God was intense.
favorite moment was I, well one of was the children in Tondo when we got to pray over them and uh, you could just feel the love of God and I remember just I want to tell the kids how special they are when you walk through the streets of Tondo the poverty is overwhelming we don't see that in America you can go to the worst places and you don't see what what it's like there. Yeah. But they love God. They have joy and gratitude. A not just joy, like they're happy, but they have an overwhelming... Overwhelming. It, it like shines through their eyes and their smile. It's a joy that not a lot of people have seen in the faces of little children. Yeah. Pastor Loy walked us through the community and there's a picture of Pastor Loy walking with Josiah. He had his arm around him. And he's just talking to him and walking through Tondo with him. And he asks Josiah, um, what do you want to do, do when, you're, when you grow up? He said, I want to be just like my dad. And um, in that moment, I knew that God was doing something really special in our children. And he looks at me and he just tears in his eyes he's like mom I just love them already and I said I know your heart just bends like there's no way to really describe it and we got to go pray for people in their homes and pray for healing and it was so powerful just loving on them and, and watching my son, David was like, there was a moment, I'm like, where the heck did David go? <laughs> I'm like, David. He's like, yeah, I'm in here, Dad. And he's in this tiny little, and he's praying for this family and they're crying. And not one person was sad or complaining or they, they didn't have bad attitudes. Like they were all smiling and it was such a beautiful community. The kindredness in our hearts with Pastor Loy, who is the pastor of Praise Church. Um, he kept saying, we're the same spirit, the same, yeah. Yeah. same DNA, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> we found our twins from the Philippines. Like, we found our twins all the way around the world. And it's like, it's already so easy to just talk to everybody. Yeah. And we already found, like, these amazing friends. Mission trips are life-changing, life-altering. I go from this place of entitlement and I come here and my heart turns to this place of thankfulness. And it's one of the most eye-opening and life-changing experiences I've ever had in my life. It was hard for them to say goodbye last night. Yeah. It was hard for us to say goodbye too, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I, I miss home, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss being here. Yeah, powerful.
Make a way, make a way. Make a way, make a way for the king is here. Make a way, make a way. Make a way, make a way for the king is here. Make a way, make a way. Make a way, make a way for the king is here. Make a way, make a way. That's my king. Isn't that powerful? Come on. Well, I want to pray for you. We're going to let you go. If you need prayer for anything, we're here. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, recommit your life, or maybe you just need a fresh fire of the Spirit to see the world the way that we're created to, to reach the unreached and to touch the untouched. Come on, somebody. I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hands with me? I hope that you can sense the heart of God right now. Father, thank you for your people. I bless them and I pray that we would all together hear the voice of heaven, the voice of the triune God saying, who will go for us? And may we respond like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Brand our hearts with the holy fire of your love that causes us to be compelled by love to reach the world around us. I pray for a fresh fire and a spirit of evangelism to proclaim King Jesus to the broken world around us. Jesus is the answer. Come on. Jesus is the hope of the world. The kingdom of God over everything. Lord, even if we have vision and we're inspired and things don't turn out the way we thought, we keep moving forward. And we will not allow the enemy to stop us. We will keep moving forward. And we will stand in victory and take territory. And the most important territory is the souls and the hearts of men and women, all of humanity that you love. We thank you for your love. Expand our hearts to love greater, we pray. Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on and seal it with praise, would you? Thank you, Lord. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to Revival 
www.mcmorganstein.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.